0: Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. And I was thinking, if ever you need a reason to praise God, it's here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise for spiritual blessings in Christ.
1: Welcome. Good to be together, isn't it? Um, we've started this new series in uh, the book of Ephesians. Um, and if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we looked first of all at Acts chapter 19. Because Acts 19 gives the, the genesis of this church in Exodus. It tells us about the birth of this church in Ephesus. Did I say Exodus just now? Yes. Ephesus. <laughs> it be mean, one of those mornings, is not it? Um, can I just have a little bit more volume, Joe? thank you um so uh, what did we learn there well a few things um we can say with certainty that it was not just a social gathering their church was not just a social gathering it was not just a bunch of friends getting together now don't get me wrong there are good things about friends getting together in our culture and our society perhaps more than ever before getting people together to do social things is really important And we've got some coming up in the next few weeks, which you'll find out about next week. But that was not the focus of their church. That was not the focus. The focus was something way higher than that, which is Jesus Christ himself. Their focus was was in seeing the the hopeless condition that they were in and putting their faith in Christ as saviour and rescuer. That's what their church was all about. And they were devoted to that message they had, uh, we saw last time, they had these discussion groups, just like we do with Hope Explore Christianity Explore. They had these discussion groups um, in their local lecture theatre. And two years later, we read, uh, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, that's that, that bit of the Roman Empire that they called Asia, not what we call Asia today, but that, that bit of um, the Roman Empire, everyone... Um, heard the word of the Lord. And I'm sure there's some hyperbole going on there. Um, But the point is, it was massively, massively influential. This message about Jesus changed everything. (laughs) Everyone heard about it. It was the word on the street. Seven or eight years later, the apostle Paul, the writer, uh, sorry, the guy who who formed that church, who founded that church, is in prison which is kind of what happened uh, quite a lot back then, and happens today as well in some places too. Uh, he's in prison, and he writes this letter called that we call Ephesians. Um, uh, uh, and he writes it to those people in that province of Roman Asia. That's the background. Okay, I don't seem to have my clicker here, so if someone can sprint athletically. Okay, you're just going to do it for me. That's fine. Yeah, do it for me. That's fine. <laughs> Um, so we, that, that's the background to the book of Ephesians. Let me just show you this one little bit of uh, uh, um, archaeology I didn't manage to squeeze in last time. Um, this is called Papyrus 46. Has anyone seen this before? Have got any sort of ancient historian kind of people? Yeah, vaguely, yeah, yeah. So uh, Papyrus 46... Oh, cheers, cheers, Um Papyrus 46 is um, pretty much the oldest book we have in existence. They call it a codex. It's written on, uh, on papyrus, which is reeds, basically. Um, uh, it's about, hang on, it's about yay big, that sort of size, 11 inches by 6 inches. Um, and it contains, it's a book, it contains most of the Apostle Paul's letters, and it, it's at least, well, it's about 1,850 years old. It is absolutely ancient. One of the very, very oldest books that we have in, in, um, in human history. So I'll just point that out because and you can go and, if you really want you can go and see it in the Museum of uh, Michigan, uh, sorry, the University of Michigan Library. I, I just point that out because I think there is still a bit of an idea amongst some people that, that the stuff in the Bible might have been made up by some monk in the Middle Ages somewhere. No, 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 no. no. Okay, we, we have documents with this stuff. And you—I mean if you could read Greek, you could read that, and you'd be reading the same as we're reading in our Bibles today. Okay, so, let's go on. We're just going to look at two verses today, these two verses, all right? Ephesians 1, 1 and 2. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What can we say about the book of Ephesians? What's it all about? First of all, first thing, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Um, The Apostle Paul, the writer of this stuff, he says, um, he he describes himself as an apostle, first of all. An apostle is just someone who is sent. Someone who is sent. So he says, I'm a messenger, not by my own initiative, I'm not coming with my own message. He doesn't send himself... So it's not like the Apostle Paul woke, woke up one day and decided he was going to do a spot of adventure tourism and, and uh, you know, wander around the ancient cities of, of Rome. He's not saying that. He's saying, no, no, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. I've been sent by Christ Jesus. Jesus has sent him out with a message that people need to hear. And you can read all about it in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 21 if you want to do that who's it written to it's written to the faithful in christ jesus okay you can see i've underlined it there can't you we'll come back to what that means and what's the message well he's proclaiming grace and peace from the lord jesus christ so in the first two verses all right in the first two verses he's already managed to mention jesus three times i think that's quite impressive And it continues in similar fashion as you read through the book of Ephesians. And I know in your home, in not home groups, community groups, we're calling them now, in your community groups. I know some of you are following Ephesians as well. And I think this week you might be reading some big chunks of the book of Ephesians. Uh, And you'll find I I counted in six short chapters, I found fifty-two references to the Lord Jesus. Okay, fifty-two times his name is mentioned. The point is. This book of Ephesians is not about God in some vague, detached, abstract kind of way. It's not an exercise in philosophical thought. Its purpose is that we should know a person. It's about a person. That we should know a person. And that person is Jesus. And through him, through Jesus... We can know God. That's the purpose of the book. Let me just explain that name, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. I know some of you know this. You've been in church your whole lives. You know all this stuff. Some of you haven't. So um, the name Jesus just means God saves. It's an ancient Hebrew name. Uh, It means God saves. And it was a fairly common name. At the time of Jesus, there were lots of people called Jesus. But the second bit is really important, or the bit that goes with it. Christ now the word Christ is not a surname, it's not Jesus' first name, Christ's surname. Um, the word Christ is just a title, it's a title, like Pastor John, okay? Pastor John, Jesus Christ, not that I'm comparing myself to him in any way, if you, you understand. Um, but the, the word Christ means Messiah, so, uh, so Christ is a Greek word, um, Messiah is a Hebrew word, just translation of the same word, and they both mean chosen one. So when we say Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, doesn't matter which way around it is, when we're saying that, we're, we're saying it's not, not just any Jesus, there were lots of Jesuses, um, not, lots of Jesus God saves, there were lots of them, but we're talking about Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the chosen one, and this person. This very special Jesus unlocks all the mysteries of God and through him we can know God and his ways. We can understand who we are. We'll come to that in a minute. We can make sense of our existence, who we are as human beings, our purpose. It's all found in the person of Jesus. And I hope I hope you go out of this place today knowing Jesus. That's the aim of this letter. Second thing who's it written to? It's written to ordinary Christians. Okay. So, um, to God's holy people, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Well, who on earth are they? Well, it's written to Christians, to God's people. It's it's not written to the world at large. Okay. It's, it, And that's important. It's just helpful to just bear in mind who it's written for. So some books in the Bible are written to the world at large, to everyone. So, for example, John's Gospel, many of you know, at the end of John's Gospel, it says this. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So so John's gospel is written to the, the big world outside to convince them that Jesus is the Christ, that this Jesus is not just any old Jesus, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the one who can lead us to heaven. That's the purpose of the book of John. Ephesians is different, though. Ephesians is to build up the faith of believers. And if you've got it in front of you, you can read a little a bit past where Marianne read today, down in verse 17. This is part of the Apostle Paul's prayer that he prays. For those who are reading this, he prays this. So, it, it, just a little bit of a sentence. He says, so that you may know him better. That's his prayer. As they read this, the purpose, so that you may know him, you may know God better. He wants you to know God that's the purpose of the book, to grow in your understanding. Now, today, I know in this room, there are people who are very uncertain about all this stuff. You know, But maybe it's your first time here today. Maybe you've been for a few weeks. Maybe you're exploring. Maybe you've been dragged along by a friend. Um, and I really hope you learn lots and I hope you feel very, very welcome among us. Um, but, but the primary purpose of this letter is not to convince you that Jesus is the Messiah but it's to build up the faith of those who are already believers it's also it's, so it's for ordinary Christians but it, and that also shows us that it's not written just to leaders or to brain boxes or theologians Okay, so it's a general letter to ordinary Christian people some of you today, quite a lot of you actually today, are in academia and you'll have, um, you'll have been given assignments where you have to read some paper or some journal and you get about a third of the way through it and you think, Man, everything they're saying could have been written in about a quarter of the words and all the words could have been half the length. You know? (laughs) And it just feels like they're using obscure technical terms just to keep out everybody else, like to preserve this information for the elite. You know, do you get, you know what I mean? Am I just making this up? Some of you get this, yeah, okay. Um, uh, That is not what the Apostle Paul is doing here. That is not what he's doing. Ephesians is not like that. It's for ordinary people. To encourage your faith and to build you up in Christ. Now, let me say, some of it is quite hard. I mean, I, what Marianne read to us today, um, the, the more you look into it, the more you think, oh, goodness, there's some, there's some tricky stuff in here. You know, predestination, we'll come to it, um, and, uh, and, and adoption, and, and uh, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite complicated sentence construction in English. And some of you will find that that difficult, but I will I will do my very very best to break it down and explain it and make it make sense for ordinary people who have not who are not theologians. All right, so don't be scared. Don't be scared of Ephesians. Okay. Um, in fact, when you're reading the Bible in general, don't be scared. Sometimes people, um, I think when you, particularly when you're starting out in the Christian life, you start reading bits of scripture and you think, oh, I don't understand this bit, and you get really put off. And people sometimes say, like, I, I, don't, I, I read this and I don't get it, and it, it, it feels like their, their faith has been shaken a little bit. Like, what do I do now? I don't understand this bit. My message is always the same, don't worry about it. <laughs> Move on to the next bit. Okay? Don't worry about it. You've got a whole lifetime to figure out all the details. Okay? Don't worry about it. Ask someone at your community group or whatever. What you should do is focus on the bits you do understand. All right? There is, there is plenty there that you do understand. So when you come to a bit you do understand, highlight that. Get a set of highlighter pens. Highlight your Bible. or I know you can do it on an iPad or whatever these days. I prefer to just do it... In- Pen and paper, personally. Or get some crayons, highlight it, underline things, memorise it, and live by it. And don't worry too much about the bits you don't understand. Alright? Don't let it put you off. Okay. So, it's all about Jesus. It's written to ordinary Christians. Number three. It's all about living out your true identity. So many people today struggle with the concept of identity. Who am I? How how should I see myself? How do others see me? What does God think about me? Does my life have any value? Does my life have any meaning? Is there any purpose to me being here? Is there any significance to life? Am I lovable? Am I worthy of love? You know for our, our society is obsessed with self-image, isn't it? People have their carefully created curate, carefully curated online lives. And for many people, like how I look is everything like, who am I? It's the question of our age, really. I remember 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I was at university, um, we were all being told at that time, uh, there was a movement called the New Atheist Movement. Um, uh, and we were being told at the time that, that human beings were just biological machines made out of meat. Uh, and your, your sole purpose is to pass on your genes, basically. That's your purpose. There is, there basically, there is no purpose. There is, life has no significance. Life has no meaning at all. I, I, I'm pleased to say, I think as a, as a society, I think we've collectively ignored that. We've gone beyond that. I, I think that battle, I think Dawkins and co. have lost that battle, honestly. I think the world has moved on beyond that. But it's been replaced by something else. Um, a top university—I won't tell you which one, but it's a big one. Uh, recently, it wasn't Keeley or <laughs> the staffs. Um, uh, they recently, but they've done similar things. Okay, um, they recently produced a list of genders. Oh, you can see where I'm going, can't you? Um, including emoji self, where your pronoun um, might be not him, her, or he, she, no, I'm gonna say that's not right, is it? Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, him or she, her, your pronoun can be emoji instead. I'm not quite sure how that works, but I guess, yeah. So you're not like him anymore. You're just like a flower, a star or, a, or anything really. Um, or cat gender. Cat gender is another one they have on the list with the pronouns nyan, nyan which which is, um, uh, which is how you spell meow in Japanese, apparently. Now, uh, and s- I know some of you have done this training, actually. And part of me, there is part of me wants to mock that mercilessly, you know, because I think it is utterly, utterly ridiculous. But honestly, part of me wants to weep as well. It's just tragic, it's tragic. It's, it's, the, it's the utter madness of a society that has no idea at all what it's meant to be. Where questions of identity are, uh, have become so massive with no answers at all. So, so you can get to a point where, where, um, you, where our, our culture has said for years and years and years, you can be whatever you want to be. Okay, I mean, even back in my day when I was young, there was that song, reach for the stars, be who you want to be, you know. You have anything you want if you try hard. You know, you can be whatever you want to be. So why not be a cat? That, that's where we've got to as a culture. The book of Ephesians speaks into this with clarity and power and authority, and beauty, I think, as well. It talks about who you are. If you're, a, like I said, it's speaking to Christians, primarily. It's speaking about who you are. And, and and in the first half of the book of Ephesians, so chapter 1 through to chapter 3, it's all about identity, who you are. Let me give you a few and in, in small groups this week. You, some of you are going to be talking about this. Um... It describes God's people as being holy and blameless in Christ. Holy and blameless. It talks about being chosen and predestined in Christ. It talks about being adopted children. This is what he's made you, an adopted child. I loved, cared for, with a future. It talks, talks about being redeemed Like your old life, everything, every mistake you ever made, everything that's ever gone wrong is redeemable, is redeemed, can be made good, forgiven in Christ, marked as belonging to God. It talks about about being spiritually dead and then being made spiritually alive. Like you were dead at one point and God has made you alive. It talks about... um, Uh, It says you you were the kind of person that used to just go along with the crowd. You just did what everyone else did. But now you follow Jesus. It says you were controlled by your desires. Like you just felt like you had no choice but just to go along with whatever your heart wanted to do. But now, now actually you have something better to follow. You don't want to follow your heart anymore. You want to follow what Jesus wants for you now. That you have a purpose. Ephesians 2 verse 10, one of, one of the most profound verses, I think, in the whole Bible. It, it talks about um, uh, God saved you for good works, to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you. You have a purpose now. You have an, an identity, a meaning, a value to your life. It talks about us being members of God's household, being citizens of heaven. It um, um, talks about us being brothers and sisters here together. It talks about us being built up into a holy temple where God lives by his spirit. I tell you, that it's an identity to build your life on. That's what Ephesians is about. Chapters 1 to 3. It ident- gives us an identity that we can then build our lives on. And then chapters 4-6 to six tell us how to live that life out. So if that is what you are, if God has made you all these things, if God has made you his child, if he's made you holy, if he's made you blameless, if he's chosen you, if he's, if he's redeemed you and forgiven you and adopted you into his family, if you've been made spiritually alive when you were dead, then, then how does that affect how you live? That's what chapters 4-6 to six is about surely that should change everything shouldn't it surely you can't just surely you can't have all that as your identity and then just carry on exactly the way you were before so chapters 4 to 6 is all about how it affects and it's very down to earth how you talk about telling the truth about how you handle anger because we'll all get angry at times but how you handle that Talks about how how, the, how you how it affects the words that you use. That you want to now you want to build people up, not tear people down. We can tear people down with our words very easily, can't we? Talks about how that how that new identity affects. Your marriage, if you're married. You, if you're a child, how, how it affects your relationship with your parents, and if you're a, if you're a parent, how, to, how, to, um, uh, how it affects your relationship with your kids, and if you're a boss, how it affects your relationships with your employees, and if you're an employee, how it affects your relationship with your boss. I, I don't know if you've been watching um, the, uh, the goods yard being built down the road there. You know what I'm talking about? The two big cranes over Stoke Station. You know what they did first when they started that? They spent weeks and weeks drilling holes in the ground and filling them with concrete. Because they need to drill down to the bedrock before you stop building anything else. There's no point in trying to build something on the topsoil. Because you know what happens? It rains. <laughs> it does quite a lot, doesn't it? Uh, it rains, and the whole thing goes... Poof. Jesus told a story about that once, didn't he? So, so the first thing they did when they, when they started building that thing they spent weeks drilling holes down to the bedrock why? so that when you build something hopefully beautiful it's not going to fall over this letter of Ephesians written to ordinary Christian people is to help us to have deep foundations know who you are know what he's made you and you can build everything else on top of that You can build your life on top of that. But you've got to start with the foundations. You've got to know who you are. And that's why this series has got the title Becoming Who You Are in Christ. That's what it's all about. And let me tell you, that order is absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. Okay, so what God doesn't say is this. God doesn't say sort yourself out, sort your family relationships out, sort your your problems with your boss and your employees and your your parents and your kids and your family and your language and your anger. Um, Sort all that out and then come to me and I'll make you my child and I'll forgive you and adopt you and redeem you. It doesn't say that. (laughs) It says the exact opposite. It says, no, no, come, come. Come just as you are. Come just as you are, with all the mess of your life, all all the chaos that your life might be in, all the unresolved issues, all the problems, all the guilt, all the mess of life. Come with that. Come with that to the Savior, to Jesus. And he'll give you a new identity. He'll make you his own. And then I'll help you sort it all out. That's the message of the book of Ephesians. Now there are two identity words, even in this first little um, uh, verse here. So it talks about God's holy people in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. So we'll just talk about those two words very briefly. Then we're nearly done because my voice is disappearing quite rapidly. (sighs) So holy people... God's holy people. If you've got an older translation of the Bible, it might say saints in there. Same thing. And the word holy just means set apart. Someone who is different. Okay, so in your house, you might have your special china. All right, you might have your Wedgwood. And you might have your, um, your Denby, which is, it's okay, isn't it? But it's not stokey. You need to know that. So, so you might have your, your relatively nice Denby, but or your Tesco, or whatever, but then you have got your Wedgwood. All right. So I'm speaking to the Stoke. You see, you understand. I can't remember the point of that story was. I I've got to manage. <laughs> going with this. Oh yeah, being set apart, being set apart, being holy. So, so, so God, uh, God, in the same way, sets apart people. and He says you're going to be special. You're going to be different. You're, gonna be, you're not going to be like everybody else. You're going to be different. That's what God does through the whole through the whole Bible. He set apart Abraham, didn't he, to be different, to be special. And you know what? It wasn't that Abraham was a particularly good guy and God looked over the earth and saw Abraham is a wonderful man. I'm going to have him and use him. No, no, no. Abraham was worshipping the moon god when God called him. (laughs) Abraham was an awful guy. And he, he got better mostly over time. But we saw a lot of his failings when we looked at Abraham a few months ago. God, God set apart the Jewish nation to be holy, to be different, to be special. Not because they were particularly big or particularly good or particularly special. In fact, they were profoundly difficult, obstinate, rebellious and grumpy. That's what set them apart. But God chose them because he had a special purpose for them to bless them. And he chooses people today and sets people apart today and says, you're going to be holy. You're going to be different for me. Uh, And we'll see in the book of Ephesians that we are chosen in Christ, called by him, saved by his death and resurrection. The evil evil power that is in each of us is defeated in Christ, chosen in him. Uh, Faithful, let's look at that word very quickly. What does that mean? Um, Simply means full of faith. Full of faith, people of faith it doesn 't it doesn't mean in this case and it's perhaps an unhelpful translation actually, because it, it doesn't if you talk about someone who 's faithful, you often think of like like, like your dog, your faithful dog It's always there okay that 's not what it means it 's not talking about that kind of faithful. it just means full of faith, people who have faith. You remember the, um, the story of Thomas, if you know your, your Bible? Um, John chapter 20, when Jesus rose from the dead, um, Thomas says, uh, you know, I just don't believe it. Other people told him Jesus has risen from the dead. Thomas has seen him die. They, They say he's risen from the dead now. Thomas says, well, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. When the other disciples tried to convince him, he was a skeptic, and he says this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands... Unless I can put my finger where the nails were, unless I can put my hand in that bit in his side where the spear went in, I will not believe," said Thomas. And then, of course, a few days later, Jesus just sort of appears in the room out of nowhere and uh, uh, and says to Thomas, um, "Thomas, touch, touch me. See, see where the nails were. Put put your hand into that part." my side, see where the spear went in and it literally says Thomas be not faithless but faithful (laughs) be not faithless but faithful in other words believe Thomas, you've seen the evidence so put your faith in that, believe that so a faithful person is someone who sees the evidence and trusts and you can't be a Christian person without faith. You can't be a Christian without faith, but that faith must be in Christ. To, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ, in Christ Jesus. That's what makes you a Christian, faith in Christ Jesus. Only that. That's the only thing that makes you a Christian. Being a Christian is not about your upbringing. It's not about your church going. It's not about generous giving or being kind to your spouse or your friends or even being kind to strangers. That's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is faith in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you, do you have faith in him today? I'm not asking do you believe if he existed. Because I think anyone, any right-minded person believes he existed. I'm not asking that. I'm not asking, did you have a Christian upbringing? Because I know that's true of probably most of us here. The question is, is your faith in Christ Jesus? Are you trusting him today? Do you believe that he is the Messiah? Do you believe that? And I know some of you here today, you're not there yet. And that's fine. I'm glad you're here. I'm so pleased you're here. Um, but, But it's really important to know where you are. And if you go out of here today knowing that you're not a Christian, that's also really helpful. That's a huge step forward. You know, if you were confused about that or you were clueless and now you know where you stand, that's actually really positive. But please don't leave it there. We have a course, Hope Explored, for those who want to explore these things. Meeting again on... This week sometime. This week sometime. Thank you, Mike. and we, we start new courses three or four times a year so there's always an opportunity to find out more let's finish with this though alright that greeting verse 2 a greeting of grace and peace uh, how do you greet someone put your hand up today if you're from Kenya it's not as many as normal put your hand up if you're from Kenya wake up Kenyans Oh, where is everybody? <laughs> They're all recovering after the party this week. Um, you say, Jambo, is that right? Jambo, hello, greeting, is that right? In Pakistan, you might say, put your hand up if you're from Pakistan. Yeah, there's one, two, I know there's at least two more in the room. Anyway, <laughs> you might say, Assalamu okay, which is peace upon you. Is that, yeah. <laughs> Just salam, which is peace, isn't it? Peace, yeah, okay, okay. If you're a stokey, you might say, you're right, (laughs) Duck. Or or something similar. But it can be a bit of a throwaway greeting, can't it? I should no, I won't explain it right, (laughs) Duck. Ask me later. But it can be a bit of a throwaway greeting, can't it? Because sometimes those words don't really matter. You know, I I think Maybe when people around this area say, assalamu alaikum I'm, I'm not sure they're really necessarily saying peace be upon you. I think it's just like automatic greeting, you know. But, but these words are really important, okay. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not just rush over them, all right. We're only going to be less than five minutes, but let's not rush over them. Uh, and there are, there are very similar words in all of the Apostle Paul's letters. But, but I, I noticed this this week. I've never seen it before. But notice this. It's not the Apostle Paul's greeting to these people. I hadn't noticed that before. I always thought he's saying, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you, Leanne. I thought that's what he was saying. He's not, actually. He's saying, grace and peace to you, not from me... But that's oh, my phone. That's embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> no, who's called? If it's someone from here, I should be very cross. <laughs> it wasn't. Yes, he was not saying, um, uh, from the Apostle Paul, grace and peace to you. He's saying, he's saying grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, he's an apostle, he's sent from God, so he's saying on behalf of God, on behalf of God I greet you, Uh, on behalf of God himself, grace and peace to you. And if you're a believer today, that is the stance that God has towards you that's the stance that God has towards you if you have faith in his son Jesus that's the relationship you now have with God grace and peace I think some Christians feel their relationship with God is mostly disappointment God looks at you and goes or really or even who are you I think some Christians feel that's, that's the relationship they have with God. That's completely wrong, completely wrong. When you put your faith in his son, God says to you, grace and peace. Grace is his undeserved kindness. He's, he's kind towards you, not because you're amazing. He's kind to you in spite of the fact you're not amazing. That's what it means. It means he knows you through and through and inside out and still loves you when you put your faith in his son. When you look to him, he gives you undeserved kindness. It doesn't matter how rubbish you are. And it's peace as well. He's not against you. He's not your enemy anymore. He's your friend. So many people in our world are tortured by their consciences, aren't they? Over things they've done. And they they can't atone for it. They can't fix it. You can't change what's happened. We all know people who self-medicate and maybe you're one of them. With drink or drugs or TV or porn or self-loathing. But when you put your faith In Christ, God says to you, peace, peace. And there is nothing better in this life than to know you're at peace with God. And it's not like you've earned it somehow. It's yours as a gift when you come to him. Let's pray, shall we? And we're going to share communion together. Let's just take a moment of quiet for you to respond in your own heart to the Lord. Maybe you want to take this opportunity this morning, if you've never come to Jesus before and you've never prayed to Him for years, decades, maybe your whole life, let's come and say, "Lord, I want some of this. I want to know this peace. I want to know this grace for myself." Thank you lord that in christ your stance towards us is grace and peace unearned undeserved favor and peace with god lord we give you thanks lord we pray that in this series as we look in the book of ephesians we pray that we might all grow in our understanding of who we are that lord We might understand better this miracle that you've done in our hearts when you call us to yourself and when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus. Help us to live that out more faithfully, we pray.
0: For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.